The Carpenters released The Kind of Hush. The brother-sister duo, although one of the best-selling recording acts of the 1970s. In fact, Karen Carpenter's voice was the 70s. It was bittersweet, though, wasn't it? The Carpenters' recording career came to an end, a tragic end, in 1983. Mm. She died from heart failure and complications of uh, anorexia. But listen to her voice. Leonie. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I, I just can't get past it. You know, yeah. whenever I th- I just, I just, the late seventies come running back to me in my mind, <laughs> don't they? Just that oh. feeling. E- easy <laughs> listening song. Easy, li- oh, easy I re- listening. I remember when we were travelling. This is more in the nineties during my OE, and uh, we used some of their songs, like "I'm on Top of the World," and I'd yep. rewrite them. So, um, <laughs> you know, we were travelling through um, India and Pakistan yes. and Iran, and it was, yeah. Great. People people laugh at easy listening these days, David. I just think it's just completely unfair. Oh no, Goodbye to Love is one of my all-time favourite songs. Love the guitar break going out yeah. of there. Bloody <laughs> marvellous. She was a killer drummer too. Yeah, she was. Um, but the one one bizarre thought I had a while ago was that you know sing the, with the with the delightful children oh, singing yeah. in the background. Sing, sing I was along. thinking those kids would all be about sixty five now. Yeah. Is that right? Oh my god! Uh, a, yeah. lot, a lot on washing. Elizabeth says I haven't shampooed my hair for ten years. Wow. A Hello, good, Elizabeth. I, I I don't judge you. <laughs> a good scrub of my scalp in the shower keeps my hair healthy and clean. Uh, I stopped washing my hair during lockdown. It was thick and very long. I kept it up for a year. No one knew. It didn't smell and wasn't greasy. It wet. I wet it once a week in the shower. Goodness gracious. Another one. I wash my hair with shampoo practically every day unless I'm on a tramp. Got no grey hairs on my head. That's yeah, it. There you go. That me. <laughs> You're looking at David um, there. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think. It's not... not you, you, it's not because you wash your hair every day, you know. It's anyway. because yeah. of my t- my t- my maternal grandfather. Yeah. I I know this. Yeah. I understand. And as as a sort of prelude to what we're talking about next, I understand it's all about genes. Yeah. Hey, what wonderful wonderful segue there, baby. <laughs> there you go. On this, on that. Uh, here we go. Drum roll, please. Um, a snap panel poll this afternoon, and uh, there were just. Uh, it was a huge response to start. I'll just say that. There were pages and pages and pages of text. So I asked, do you support genetic engineering slash modification in New Zealand? Uh, yes, no, unsure, why or why not? Uh, and again, a thank you for your responses. Here we go. 51.5% said no, we do not support it. 44.3% said yes, and 4.1% said unsure. 
Uh, and a significant proportion of those who said yes say they want certain controls in place. So the National Party, they're promising to loosen the restrictions on genetic modification and gene editing if elected into government. The announcement was made by party leader Christopher Luxon ahead of field days, one of the biggest agriculture events on the calendar. Currently, no commercial GE or GM crops are grown in New Zealand and fewer than 10 GE or GM products have been approved by the EPA to be released outside labs. National Science spokesperson Judith Collins says the country is currently losing opportunities to deal with the effects of climate change and become a leader in this area. The policy has got the backing of biomedical scientist Sir Peter Gluckman. He says, like some other scientists, it's long overdue. Not everyone agrees, including spokesperson for GE Free NZ, John Carapiet. Kia ora, John. Yeah. Highly contentious policy in the early 90s and early 2000s, wasn't it? What are your concerns currently with this policy? Well, a little bit disappointing to see basically opening up New Zealand to the biotech industry's agenda for implementation, commercialization, when we've been very well protected over the last few years from and allowed to avoid some of the problems seen overseas with genetic engineering and gene editing. So a lot of the New Zealand public have been lulled a little bit into, a, I would like to think, not a false sense of security, but a, a sense of security that there's no GM crops grown in New Zealand, our food is GM-free, um, products and manufacturers and supermarkets, their own brands have been committed to being GM-free. And it's part of a global trend, actually, that, as your music just said, it's all around the world. Not only is the debate about gene editing going on, but so is the public response. And and, and I'll just pick you up on the the survey you did, because to be fair, it was a a little bit of a blunt instrument in that you can be for GE for medicine. And I think many New Zealanders support what can be done ethically and in containment for medical uses. But you can also be against um, commercial release of a crop or an animal. And we've, seen, and we've got good reason for that. I mean, again, another area on that the National Party really missed out on is calling on liability and commercial insurance for those promoting GMOs. If, if they were to get into power and went ahead with this, you've got to hold the polluter pays, and that, that's nowhere near the, um, the the policy they put forward. John, stay there. Let's um, get the panel involved, and we'll come back to you briefly. David, you first. John, a question for you about, um, well, two, two aspects of what National Party was saying. One was that they were beating this drum of somehow um, uh, falling behind and said, saying that various countries were doing this. But if I understand it correctly, that does not apply to Europe. Am I right in understanding that, or, or have I got that wrong, that the EU rules mean that you that they're more or less comparable to our position? Um, what, they what's, have been. What's their uh, you, you are right. I mean, actually, the EU has been one of the areas that has been quite regularly... Um, regulating um, genetic engineering and that, you know, genetic engineering includes gene editing and I, and I think part of the debate today is that gene editing is, is being kind of redefined as being so accurate and so precise and so new that um, and this is the problem that people shouldn't be told about it and it won't be labelled and it won't be tested now the surveys in the UK where they're also being told we've got to relax the rules after Brexit especially, we can make lots of money out of this, we can be a leader in this. 
exactly the same narratives that we hear here. And um, the public response, which we haven't seen here yet, but the public response has been very full on. 79% of people want gene edited products tested regulated and labelled. So that again puts the National Party policy on the wrong side of the public okay. and, the, and the consumer. The owning. John, does it have to be so black and white? Uh, so could you have some products in New Zealand and I mean I'm no expert in this but in a tightly controlled space that would be a positive contribution to the country, have some gene uh, editing and then others you know, could choose not to have gene edited crops? It's a very reasonable question, and I think that's that's the point. When it's been used for medicine, and there's been really good medical developments over time, and I think that the government is reviewing the medical um, legislation aspects because I don't think anyone wants to stop ethical, successful medical research. Mm. When it goes outside the lab, I think, and, 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 and sorry, and so, so the point being that there, there may be other uses that we can use gene editing and genetic engineering ethically in containment that would actually preserve the external environment, the natural environment from contamination and, and preserve farmers okay. from, to, to produce GMO-free food, which they want to do to the GMO world. GMO-free food. Hey, kia ora, John. Thank you for your time. That's uh, spokesperson for GE Free NZ, John Carapia. With us now is the University of Auckland Professor Andy Allen, who uses these techniques in his research. Uh, Professor Alan Kiora. Kiora, Kiora Wallace in the panel. Hi. It's, it's really great to have you on, Alan. What did you make of those arguments? Uh, really valid. I, I look at we're coming close uh, with with our arguments here. I, I think National's policy um, wants testing and regulation and labelling, uh, but on a case by case basis, would allow some plants or animals. Uh, to go through fast track because the evidence suggests that they're beneficial in some way um, and the risk is very low. So the most of our New Zealand's population want regulation and wants testing and Nationals policy doesn't go against that. It just wants us to move on from this argument that we've been having for 25 years. Now, tell me, uh, Alan, because you you once had to fly to the US to eat (laughs) an apple. You grew using yes. CRISPR technology. Uh, so you've used this technology, you know about this. Ta- just let people across the country, um, they want to know, how safe is it really? Well, you know, probably safer than a lot of produce that's produced in conventional ways because it's been tested so rigorously. That you can look at, for example, the apple that we uh, took to America and tasted. We looked at every metabolite, every compound in that apple, before we went off, and we were told in New Zealand it was almost impossible to eat it. Um, so we um, we took some of our grant money and went over there to see whether it tasted okay. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Why couldn't you eat it here? Well, for a start, it's not allowed to leave a contained facility, okay, step one. And you're not allowed to eat in a contained facility. So we were stuck <laughs> we were looking at it, and we, it looked great. And everyone said, when I gave presentations, what does it taste like? And the answer was, we're not allowed to taste it. So disappointing. And, and it also suggests in front of the public that we're a bit worried about things, which we're not. We, we're able to measure just about the impact of just about everything. And so we needed to see what it tasted like. Alan, the argument that opposition is making to this is that um, the brand 
the, mm, the exploration morning brand mm. um, depends on that particular position. How do you feel about that? True. Uh, what I would say is that coexistence is what we're after, and it's very successful in all other countries. You can have a very healthy organic sector producing organic apples, etc., but you can also have a very active biotech sector. And the two of them work off each other. You know, America has, a, has the biggest global biotech industry. It also has the biggest organic sector. Mm. But it, doesn't it, isn't that a little bit like having the smoking, smoking section in the plane that we used to have? You know, it's one fuselage. <laughs> yes. But, but, uh, then we, but we have organic now and non-organic. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, know, so yeah. you, you've got organic farms that produce organic stuff, and in the supermarket it's a separate area, and then you've just got the normally produced. Mm. Is, is that what you're suggesting, um, Andy? Yeah, I'm suggesting value can be gained from both sectors. Yeah. And uh, the value of our clean green image is, is measurable. It's really good. But our clean green image is under attack from climate crisis, not under attack from... The efforts our scientists are doing is under attack from warming temperatures, and that, that's what gives me this urgency. That's why I front up in front of various people, because uh, you know I'm a lot more worried about the climate crisis than by this argument. Right, um, Professor Alan Kiora, great to have you on. Thank you. That's uh, Auckland, uh, Unis- Auckland University Professor Andy Allen who uses these CRISPR techniques, uh, and uh, as you heard here, he had to once fly to the US to eat an apple that he grew using CRISPR technology. And that poll, uh, again, uh, do you support GE modification in New Zealand? Uh, Yes, 44.3%. No, 51.5%. Unsure, 4.1%. Wonderful to have you company. Thank you so much for all the feedback this afternoon. Leonie Freeman, David Slack. This item originally from Nikki Mandauer Newsroom. This really caught my eye, this one. That NZ Post has, with little or no warning, stopped sending mail to 34 countries. There are another 21 that aren't sending mail to us. That's a quarter of all nations. COVID's one cause, war another. But three years after services were suspended, there's no indication that Kiwis are going to get their international posts back. So uh, among the countries, Morocco. Tuvalu, Yemen, Mozambique, Bahamas, Botswana. You can't send mail. Ukraine, Russia also. Uh, 24 countries that we can't get mail from. Indonesia, Mexico, Taiwan. With us is Margaret Taylor, Amnesty International's Aotearoa Community Manager. Margaret, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? And hello also, Leonie and David. What a story this is. Um, It would have surprised many does this mean you can't send a letter to 30-plus countries in the world? I think that's exactly what it means. And for us, it means we can't send letters to decision-makers who we want to influence uh, to create you know, a better human rights environment. So, what, have you, what have you heard from those who can't send letters? How does it affect them? Well, our members are regular letter writers. And in fact, letters are so rare now that they are more powerful than they ever have been when they land on the desks of decision makers. And also, um, we also send a lot of solidarity messages to those people that we campaign on behalf of, so to let them know they're not alone. So our ability is just stumped. We cannot do the work that we... my, My advocates cannot do the work I ask them to do because we can't get letters through. Of course, post isn't the only mechanism around which we ask our members to campaign. 
but it certainly does allow us access to countries that uh, might surveil internet and social media. So it can be a safe mechanism for many. Yes, of course. Stay there, get a group response around the panel on this. Leone. So, Margaret, are you suggesting that the, the, the focus you've got, I presume, are the countries that aren't in war? Because you could understand sure, the difficulty. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. it's there's obviously a smaller number that, um, for for whatever reason, are, are doing that. So, uh, are you able to courier as a as an alternative? I mean, that might be even provide better security if you could courier something to a person with a signature. Is that an option in these countries? That in some countries, but not in all countries. So it's very uh, pick and mix, and it's hard to know. Um, and what I would also say is that it's incredibly expensive already to be posting letters, and couriering adds even more expense to that. Um, it seems to me that New Zealand Post is pricing people out of their ability to undertake human rights advocacy. David. Margaret, there is always some way to get through, isn't there? Is your point really the the, the cost of the thing? Like, there's always DHL in Phoenix. There is always a way, but um, I guess the key point that I'd like to make is that we were not even aware that our letters that we've been sending for years weren't getting through. Um, Mm. And it was only through the sleuthing of one of our local groups, the Remuera group, that we were even were able to find out that the letters we were sending hadn't hadn't been sent. And that the and we were questioning why we weren't getting replies. Well, actually, it's because replies weren't being allowed into our country. So well, we lack of transparency about this yeah. whole thing from New Zealand Post. We invited a response from NZ Post for the panel. They replied that it's all everything's already been said in that newsroom piece. But um, Margaret, for now, thank you very much for your time. Uh, that's Margaret Taylor there, Amnesty International's Aotearoa Community Manager. Uh, on that, nine to five, the panel are NZ National, Leonie Freeman and David Zlake. By the way, the show is also, if you can't manage to catch it live uh, or you're too busy doing other things in the car driving, uh, it is on Spotify. Go to Spotify and the panel is right there. Men's Health Week this week. It's week Tane. And I thought we'd just have a bit of a quarter to on this. If I take myself as an example, I'm pretty fit, blood pressure fine. Had that checked recently. But here's the thing. I don't go to a GP nearly as often as I should. Why? Life gets in the way. So who's the go-to person on this? I thought, mm, why don't we get Mark Sainsbury on? He's a men's health ambassador, and he's with us right now. <laughs> Mark Sainsbury, who would have thought a men's health ambassador? Well, there we are. Stranger things have happened, Wallace. <laughs> really, though, huh? <laughs> yeah. Because as a personal note, can I be honest? Can I just yeah. have a, be honest, a little bit honest? The Mark Sainsbury that I see before me right now yeah. is not the Mark Sainsbury that I knew in 2017. Did something need to change? Well, yeah. I mean, I ended up ended up sort of losing a bit of weight, but over a couple of years, so I didn't always really notice it. But you know, it's probably two, probably lost about fifteen kgs. But I was on blood pressure medication and you know, type two diabetes and all this stuff, and it wasn't like there was some major. <laughs> I I did for the first time my entire life. I did an interview for the Women's Weekly to promote men's health, and that's like, it had to change. And there's the drama. Oh, good on them. You know, they're spreading the message, but. Yeah, so I, that was just, yeah, and it wasn't sort of even conscious, but I just started eating less, all right? And, and that's what we, in terms of the whole campaign about Men's Health Week, is we're not there to bully people and go, look mm. at you, you fat so-and-so or whatever. It's all about 
small steps, small changes that anyone can do, and you're not sort of marginalising anyone. Okay, you know, so you've got to bring just, people with you. Yeah, okay, no, you have changed, because I've just, uh, David Slack, just give me a picture of yourself, uh, Radio Live, in around 2017. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's big the, change. The two of us, we're both over I know, and I it's know. bloody radio. Yeah, both, I know, that's both right. of you, you, you both look extremely different. Can, yeah. I, can I just say, am I allowed to give a compliment? Yeah. You, you look fantastic. And for men, you see, that weight around the stomach that's is right. the most dangerous. Is it? Yeah. Yep. yeah. So what men's health, men's health week has always been about, and actually it's a bit different because here we have an awareness campaign. We don't rattle a tin. We're not asking for money. We just want your attention. Because we say for one week of the year, we're just focusing on men who are slack in some areas about their health to do something about it. Now, in the States, Men's Health Week is about raising money for research. And the interesting thing in the States, that we list preventable deaths, you know, diabetes, obesity, suicide. They add in homicide. God. Wow. Now, that's, that's, yep. it's, it's homicide yeah. is one of them on their list in the States. Yeah. We haven't quite got there, God. but the figures, when you start breaking them down, are a bit frightening. So... We look at all the people who died last year, all right? So of all the Maori men who died last year, 49% were under 65. So that means half of the men, I'm working on that basis an ongoing stat, mm. half men won't, won't get the pension. Pacifica, 44. For, 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 for European, 24%. So there's a huge disparity for a start. Hey, now, we have, the, 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 I went to the men's health, we yeah. never do online polls, can't stand them. Did you do it? I thought... Why not? Why? Because I was interested. Yeah. So this, <laughs> so this right, is what right you your score. Yeah. And guess what, Mark Sainsbury? Yeah. We've all done it. Yeah. And? So I'm 54. <laughs> yeah, which is apparently not that. Oh, there'd be other complications. Not that, that great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did it, but obviously couldn't say yes to the postrate exams yeah. <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. But I was 40, so yeah. I think I was in the top. Superman, forty. Yeah. What, what about Superman here? What did you get? Thirty-eight. Whoa! Yeah. And and that's because I had a heart attack when I was twenty-seven. So I've been getting everything tested. Yeah. Ever because, since. Well, hang on. I was um, a bit shocked because I here on the list. Yeah. I, I feel that I feel fit. I feel okay. Yeah. Blood pressure, but I one thing that really strung me was I really get. I, get, I don't get myself checked. No. So yeah. all those things... And that's it, the thing, isn't it? And there are half the reason for that is not just to do the quiz, but in doing it, it thinks, oh, actually, have I had a skin test? Yeah. Yeah. Have I had my cholesterol tested? Have I had my blood pressure? So they're all just little triggers. So that's what we're about, and that's what the... During this week is trying to... T- go to, go to menshealthweek.co.nz and do what's your score. Mm. Have I got time to do one short plug? And yeah. that is that in my regular battery of tests, uh, that includes PSA, you know, for mm. prostate. And a couple of years ago, the doctor rang one day to say, I'm, not, I'm a bit worried about this moving up. Um, after a few months of medication, I end up in hospital having a prostatectomy. And it, uh, that would, and, and now it's great again. And there was no cancer. And that's terrific. It also means that I have the function of a much younger man, I'm pleased to say, <laughs> on national radio. Oh. What, what do you no. say to those? We haven't who, eaten yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, David. No, no, thank you. No, well, no, well, I mean that in the terms yeah. of discomfort. All old men discover that you're going up, getting up to go to the yeah. loot three and five times a night. Get that rebore and you no longer have to Tested. do it. And the classic thing, of course, with prostate cancer, we all will die with it. We don't have to die yeah, of it. Right. That's one yeah. of the great preventable. Uh, you know, you, if you get onto it early, you can treat it. 
Good point. And do you think that's a thing? Because I think often women, we're so conditioned into tests, whether it's mammograms or, um, you know, all the tests that we've had for so many years, and it's talked Mm. about and pretty common. I think women Women have done it because they have to. Yes. And they're fantastic on it. It's not because they like being pumped and prodded. No, absolutely. But guys, oh, you're coming near me. Oh, oh, no, ooh. So it's sort of making it so that it's it's okay. It is okay. What I think is really good is at least it's discussed now and it's not hidden away. And that's the same with the mental health thing, which is another huge part of it, is talk to someone. Yeah. Someone to talk to, it yeah, turns yeah. out to be so important. Absolutely. One of the things um, is uh, the longer you leave it, the longer you don't want to go. I know. Mm. And the longer and the worse it's going to get. Yes. It's okay. like the dentist wallet. Like you know the dentist, the, yeah. Right. We were brought up in the murder house. You got, oh, I don't want to get the dentist. No good's going to come yeah. of that. But the longer you put it off, the worse it is. Yeah. Right. So if there's one message to leave our listeners for Men's Health Week, Mark, what would it be? Well, I want a good point to start is going onto that website and doing what's your score. But it's all about small steps. Just each day, well, I'm going to walk a little bit further today or take a walk. Oh, yeah. I'm going to eat a little bit less of this. You know, it doesn't have to be huge and don't set goals for yourself you can't meet because that's depressing. So there's heaps of stuff on our website, tips, quizzes, uh, the what's your score. It's really good. Just F- a- 54, 40. And don't forget, I couldn't answer yes to having my prostate checked, so that's why I was (laughs) on that note. Great way to end Monday's show, Mark. Cheers, thanks so much, Wallace. Very good. Keep up the good work. Leonie Freeman, I'm Wallace Chapman. I'm back tomorrow, three forty-five. See you then, Uh, Lisa Owen, and Checkpoint next.